Hello and welcome to episode 57 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have a review of House of X4, It'll Be Done, and Powers of 10, issue 4, Something Sinister. Sinister. This is your spoiler alert for House of X and Powers of 10, issue 4, and the issues that came before. Your creative teams are John Hickman, writer, penciler, R.B. Silva on Powers of 10, Pepe Larraz on House of X. Your colorist on both books is Marte Garcia, and your letterer on both books is uh, Virtual Calligraphy and Clayton Klaus. Your editors on both books are Annalise Bissa, C.B. Sabalski, Jordan D. White. X-Men was created by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, and this is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. So Noah, um, why don't you start us off like you normally do with your general thoughts and then we'll take a deep dive into uh, the slides that you put together for us. Yeah, it, House of X issue four was definitely the most stressful and emotional one yet. I mean, uh, the one with Moira dying and coming back was a definitely a really beautiful retrospective of the characters, but this one was definitely like a gut punch the whole time. And it was, but it was really good action and really like, you know, really effective emotionally. And then um, Powers of X was a huge tonal shift where you get sort of more humor, like the, probably the most humorous issue yet with Mr. Sinister. And then at the same time, the most uh, mind bending uh, brain frying issue where you're trying to keep track of all the high concept science fiction stuff going on at the end of it like it gets real it gets into real stanley kubrick territory at the end of the book at the yes. end of the issue yeah. so yeah I, I i loved them both and uh i kind of wish i had read them weekly and not back to back because both were so jarring and uh like it was a real roller coaster to read both but um but it was really good and it was it was still again a rewarding experience as it always is yeah so both of these books are um sort of kicking off the second half of, of the series. You know, we had the first three, um, and these are both our, our issue four. So this is, you know, starting us into that to that last half. Um, and then uh, the House of X was definitely an action-packed sort of sci-fi um, action, you know, almost, an, you know, action uh, story. And then you're right, the, uh, the tonal shift to uh, powers, powers of 10 you know, where we open up, we meet Sinister, he's wisecracking. And then it's just sort of like, uh, you know, a lot of setup for what we what we think that we're going to get uh, in these last uh, two issues in both series. Yeah, it was a good, and it's interesting with Powers is that we, we learned something last time we spoke in, in, in Powers 3, that the year 100 wasn't in the current continuity. It was in another continuity. Mm -hmm. So now in powers that it seems like that timeline is completely gone. So we don't know what takes place in, you know, in that period anymore, um, which is really smart of them. Like we know what happens before and we know what happens at the end, but we don't know what bridges that gap right there. So yeah, I, that, I really like that. Yeah. It's a cool bit of uh it's a cool bit of storytelling and a great way to handle that uh, time travel paradox. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It was a good, um, yeah. I'm looking forward to what the next issue of powers is going to be like. All right. So are you ready to, uh, to break this down a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, deeper? Yeah. Let me pull up the slides here. So as um, house of X starts, we are on Krakoa and we are, uh, we're with uh, Magneto, Storm, and uh, one of the uh, actually Beast is there, and the and the two triplets are there. So this, yeah, you 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 brought up, you brought up uh, the second the huge panel on this uh, first page of the comic after the title page. Yeah, and this is our sort of our our first time seeing Storm like as a prevalent character. She's sort of more in the background mm -hmm. in other issues, so now she's an active role. So it's cool to see all the X Men and, and Beast too. Yeah. Beast is always in the background, so it's cool to see these two characters have an active presence now in the series. Yeah, um, and I, I have to admit that uh, when I read this, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't see Beast at first, and so I, I started reading the, uh, I started reading the dialogue, and then, and then I, uh, you know, my eyes transitioned to 
storm down here in the in the sort of the pond the reflecting pool here and then i went back up and i and i saw beast in that blue and realized that that he was he was the one speaking there yeah beast is uh beast is sort of like he's just sort of uh he's not out of character in this issue he's the guy operating all the technology yeah yeah uh this is a great panel though i love you know, I love the design here. I will say that this page, I don't have the panel on here, is the first time I've ever like looked at a panel though. There's a close-up on Storm's face. That's not very flattering. Oh yeah, the the last the last panel of this uh Yeah. That that I that eyebrow is a little uh Yeah a little high. Yeah, it's a little it's a weird it's a weird angle and it's weirdly drawn. I that was sort of the one panel I have to say in this whole series that I was kinda of like, ugh, that's kinda of ugly. But it doesn't, it doesn't take away from the whole issue being a good thing, but that was sort of the one where I was kind of like, Oh, someone drew that really fast. Um, yeah, this, uh, but this panel is beautiful. I love how it's composed. And then I love the, the colors, uh, how they reflect in the, how he uses the colors to sort of blend the reflections together in the water at the bottom here. Um, I love the texture on the, the roots in the background. It's just yeah. a very, it's, it's, it's again, just good artwork. Um, but this is, this is cool. I really liked this, like them yeah. all combining together to be, uh, sort of conduits for Jean to sort of connect all the X-Men back to Krakoa. And then Jean sort of appears in this water hologram. Yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely very, very cool imagery that, uh, was, was brought up here. Yeah, and the whole sequence where they're explaining how everybody's needs to be there to link everyone together is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just a cool lead up to this big moment right here, where all of a sudden she breaks through the and is like, yeah, appears as a three D image in the water. Yeah, the cool image. Um, I love the lighting coming off of reflecting on this sort of like edge light right here along her face and back here as well. It's just good. Understanding lighting, you know, that's something I've, I don't I mean, I'm still trying to grasp, but when someone knows enough to know that like lights coming from back here, so it's some of the lights going to reflect back here as well, you know? Yeah. Um, that's just good detail work right here from the colorist. Yeah. And it's also really, really good consistency because the page yeah. four, um, you know, we had the two, uh, you know, we have these two stations and uh, that one is, you know, facing the left and then as we switch to this view you know that red reflection from that what i'm assuming is coming from that uh that bank of computers and that uh organic structure there that's the that's the the highlight that we're seeing so the one is that the 180 like respecting the 180 rule with coloring yeah definitely definitely it is yeah it's just good continuity and uh yeah, knowing, yeah, that's just good color economy. Well, thanks for pointing that out. I didn't notice that at first. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Um, but then moving on. Um, sorry, I'm going to get my no, it's okay. slides up here. Here we go. Uh, at the end of the last issue, the it's not the Quinjet. There's, there's the, their jet's not called the Quinjet. It's just the jet right I don't yeah, know it's, it's yeah it's not the it, it's yeah it's not the like the one that looks like the sr-71 that they normally yeah. fly around in but it's yeah it's definitely uh, maybe it's outfitted for for space travel or something right like yeah but their jet was ex- exploded at the end of the last episode and uh so they're all reeling from that and this is what i didn't predict was them killing off archangel and um and husk I mean, I knew Husk was going to die, but like Archangel dying really fast. I was like, oh, wow. You know, yeah. that was, uh, that, that was, uh, I did not see that coming. Were you surprised by that? Um, yeah, I, I, a little bit because, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's more of a, a more prevalent X-Men. Um, so you think that he would have lasted a little bit longer. Yeah, definitely. I, I, was sort of surprised at how this issue went. It was kind of a, almost like Rogue One, Star Wars story, that kind of thing, like that surprise where I was like, oh, they're going there, you know, the whole issue. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, it's it's uh, it was it was a good surprise. Like I was like, oh, it was a very ballsy move to do what they do in this issue. Yeah. We have Wolverine here, who's uh, who's healing himself. Yeah. Whoops. There we go. Um, but then uh, they all decide that they're going to keep going with the suicide mission despite the heavy losses. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I liked. I love the sequence of Wolverine healing himself. I like how it starts off where it's just like this bone. Like, you know, like barely anything holding his arm. But then by the next one, you can see like the tendons and the muscle sinews growing back around and stuff like that. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, it's a cool shot. Um, but then I love this sequence right here. I loved uh, the composition of this. Is a, this is a half of the page and it's just these nice uh, vertical panels right here. Mm-hmm. I, I like, again, like this sort of downward curve. It's, you know, it's not a straight line. It's sort of something that makes you, may, makes your eye rest mm-hmm. a little more on each image. Um, I also like that there are these lines in the background, though, guiding your eye as well. So there are the lines from the pipes right here. There are the lines from the soldiers and their guns right here. And there's the lines from this, these windows up here and the lines from this uh, sort of support beam right here. And these lines even, it's, it's just cool. It's cool composition. Yeah, and this is a little, um, this is a, a combination of a, uh, I guess, show and tell because right. you know, the, the dialogue is, you know, sort of the, you know, the, 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 the mission status, the mission briefing. And as each aspect of that is, is being, you know, relayed, we're, we're, we're seeing it um, with, the, with the art. So it's a, it's a, like I said, it's a combination of uh, showing and telling so you're not violating the 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 show don't tell rule you're 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 sort of bending it a little bit yeah and there's a there's something that they mention in the dialogue but it's also demonstrated through the art that everyone is put into a place that they can handle so like the two more combat oriented mutants are the ones sent into places where there's a lot of people so like yeah wolverine gets dropped into the heavy combat zones and mystique gets placed into a spot where she can blend in easier um yeah it's just cool, cool X Men action right here. Uh, I really love the beats on this page. Um, it's sort of a page you might first, but I really like sort of these, uh, you know, wide close up, close up, closer, closer, close up, and then pulling back as the resolve sort of like you know comes into the character. It's just a good way to heighten drama with your camera angles. Um, I think they're really solid beads. Yeah, and that uh, yeah. you know the the coloring here, um, we're, yeah. we're really clo- we're really close to the sun, and you sort of the 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 warm colors. You 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 as you're reading it, you 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 feel the location. You know you know so many miles away from the sun with all of these sort of bright warm reds and oranges. You you feel the heat sort of radiating from the sun with the colors. Yeah, and it definitely adds to the drama and the rage that the the scientist is feeling in this moment because her husband was the one that sacrificed himself to blow up the uh, X-Men's jet in the last issue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really love the dialogue right here. Um, yeah, it's, it's sort of one of those things where like, uh, we don't know this character very much, but yet we can empathize with her pretty fast. Mm-hmm. And especially in this moment right here, this this speech that uh, this character gives, it's it's really you know it's really empowering, it's really inspiring, and you're kind of like, yeah, you kind of want her to kill the X Men, but at the same time, you don't. But you know, it's sort of uh, it's something where you for these characters as well as the X Men, which is pretty great to do in a comic. Now, Especially a superhero comic where they're good and bad guys all the time, you know. Yeah. Now, is this isn't is this the same character that's with Nimrod in the future? That's maybe just like evolved because uh, they're very similar in aesthetics. Yeah, I've wondered that too. And she doesn't have the red face. At least I don't remember seeing that. And I know the color. And it doesn't seem like that. But she definitely has the same outfit and aesthetics as far as like. Um, not aesthetics, her prosthetics are the same. Like her robotic prosthetics are the same. So it could be, I think it is going to make sense that she's here right now while Nimrod's being built too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we might find that out that that's the case. Yeah. I think so. Once we ever, once powers uh, 
sort of uh, confirms what's going on. Um, I really love this panel right here. I talked about, I just love the facial expressions, but again, it's just, uh, it was a good moment right here just to show the characters resolve after such, um, I love the, how simple this is, you know, mm -hmm. just nice, simple composition. I love that the fire is sort of framing them. And then um, I love just this simple exchange, this rhythm. And then, um, you know, she had this, these are, this is a heavy dialogue panel. This isn't as heavier, but then like just the silent moment, this is show don't tell right here, you know, yeah. rather than like, she doesn't have to say you're right or anything like that for us to know what's going to happen next. Yeah. It's uh it's a great moment of drama. And then uh then she gets into action about what they're going to do about the X-Men on the station and it uh, gets really intense after that. I love this shot right here. Um very cool spaceship shot. Um but then I love these little uh these little moments right here of the you know just the the sound effects in the bottom corners of both of these panels right here. Yeah, uh, just to sort of show the the sense of dread or the um, the tension mounting with what the the X Men are doing, and um, then I love this dialogue right here that you know that was the sound of failure, Doctor Gregor, when it's uh, because at this point two of the X Men have broken the the bonds for the the mother mold to fall back into the sun, and. Uh, it's cool also to um, make the design of something, you know, like we, you know, we've, we've been seeing this structure for the last several issues and for us to like, you know, each, there's a practicality to everything and these arms being part of that design, like it's just sort of nice to have a practical design to something and then it paid off in the story. Mm -hmm. um, not a lot of people pay attention to the geography, especially in comics. So that the geography of something like a space station, which, you know, is, you know, you don't have any real reference for it or anything like that. This is all pure imagination or inspiration from other things. And then that it has a practical, you know, uh, use within the story is pretty great. Mm -hmm. um, I love this panel right here. Just a cool shot. You know, we don't have to see the action, but we have the action implied. And it's, you know, you can tell it's pretty brutal. Mm -hmm. I've been reading, so after last time, I, I went back and I read the first couple issues of East of West again. Okay. And that's something Hick Hickman does a lot, is sort of the implied action. Like, he does show it every once in a while, but there are some great scenes in all his comics where it's just either sound effects or something like this where you just see the aftermath. Yeah, um, it's... Yeah, uh, I, I'm re I'm in a uh, a writing class now, and they they've been talking about like uh, the reaction shot, and I I think you get a lot of that in East and West, where like something happens, and you're not necessarily seeing it, you're seeing like a like a character reacting to it, so you you know something terrible is something terrible has just happened, and you you know following the story along, you you know what probably happened or what did happen, but you're just getting a reaction shot. And this is not quite a reaction shot. This is sort of like a uh, aftermath shot of like what happened. So, you know, you know, 30 seconds ago that this was just chaos. And now sort of, this is the aftermath of that. And it also doesn't, you know, when you have an action sequence, especially in comics, you know, you have the danger of any panel slowing the story down or slowing the pace down. Mm -hmm. So for them just to skip over, him killing a bunch of dudes just so that they can keep the fast pace, the sense of urgency in this issue. Like that's a really cool masterful move right there to understand that just because a lot of action is going on in the panels doesn't mean that, you know, doesn't mean that the pace is fast. Yeah. You know, you can really slow it down even to po focus on action beats. So just to be like, okay, we've only seen two panels of him fighting this guy, but we get that he's going to waste all of them, mm -hmm. you know? And then yeah, this moment as well right here um, where you just sort of see the aftermath because this isn't, you know, these are obstacles for them to get past, but they're not the most important obstacle. And the most important obstacle is to disconnect these arms. I really liked how these two pages sort of almost mirror each other mm -hmm. in a way where you have, um, again, a similar pace, you know. Uh, this is a little more dialogue heavy up here than this right here, but still you get like this, 
you know, both of these, I think both of these panels, you spend about the same amount of time on mm -hmm. same with these two beats right here. You spend about the same amount of time on. So it was just cool to see two pages, you know, like, like I was talking about, just sort of keep a pace and uh, keep a rhythm of how big the panels are. I really like that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And these, are, I'm, I'm pretty sure these are two um, on the same spread. Um, no, they actually, uh, they actually work out to be uh, the, the one that we're seeing here to the left is actually a, uh, is a page turn, the right facing page with a page turn to, to this one. So that makes um, sense. Cause that's a good page turn down there with the sound effects. Yeah. Cause you're getting the, you're getting the, the sound effect and the two characters sort of looking up, trying to, you know, identify the sound, figure out the sound. And then you, 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 you know, we got sort of beat beat and then we sort of have page turn and then we have this character sort of announcing, you know, things are not going well. Yeah. Those two sounds that you just heard were, were, were not good for you. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good page turn then. Um, then uh, we have this uh, again, I just, I just really like these panels where you get the, the face in the water right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, drawing, you know, drawing liquids is hard, but at the same time, when it's done well, it's it's done really awesomely well, and I just really love how he draws liquids. Yeah, um, it's it, it's got it's got to be difficult to sort of give it structure and keep it fluid, like yeah. you know, as as a liquid. So that's that's got to be sort of you know the you got to find the right middle ground there. So you definitely, and I love um, Gracias's again his his edge lights. It's just beautiful. I love that. Um, we, have a, we have a thumbprint showing up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We got. Um, there's been. There's a thumbprint showing in a lot of these issues. But yeah, that thumbprint right there. Yeah. That's a. Yeah. I'm liking it. I'm liking the thumbprints. They should be in more comics. <laughs> I'll have to do it in the next one we do. Um, this. Uh, yeah. I like how. Um, Again, I like the surprise of this moment right here where uh, Monet is her name, right? And uh, she yes. enters into the picture mm -hmm. um, just to show again something's wrong, you know? Um, and then I predicted it and die. And she was one of the first. But I, I kind of felt this to be kind of an empty sacrifice, like an empty drama moment because I was like, I don't know who you are. That kind of thing. Like, I should be sad, but. I have no idea who this character is. Um, like this is the first moment where we get any kind of like character development with her. But again, I'm not an X-Men fan. I haven't read much with her. So if I, I probably will eat like, you know, regret what I'm saying now, once I start reading more X-Men and I know the character better and then I'll be like, Oh my gosh, her dying is so sad. But first time I was reading through it, I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I I know a little bit of Monet, um, but I had no idea that she could transform into what they what they show her to look like in a little bit. So don't don't yeah. feel too bad. Yeah. So my, my my negative, but like my negative thing right there is nothing compared to how cool this like her going out is. Like she really goes out like a like a, like a real warrior, and it's mm -hmm. awesome. Um, and I love these moments right here, um, especially this one of the hand reaching through the glass. It's it's classic sacrifice move, you know, like that's just good uh, visual language of stuff. I, I've just recently rewatched uh, Wrath of Khan, which is one of my favorite movies. And, you know, okay. that was sort of one of the first movies to do the whole like hand on the glass thing. Yeah. Um, that's just a great image. And especially when it's done in comics, I always geek out about it. So love that. Um, but yeah, she, this is just a good page. I really like this page right here and its design and, this uh this cool moment of her going out like a total warrior with all the dudes being slashed and burned and shooting at her yeah Pretty cool and we definitely have a lot of uh like angles like yes in the eye here you know with the claws yeah. the, the 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 ejection of the that that little pod there yeah there's a nice um yeah there's a nice curve like you know there's a nice curve uh composition where your eye kind of goes starts up then goes down then back up then down then up and then back down and then around it's it's nice yeah your eye your eye moves around pretty naturally and it it 
it, you get the weight of the image pretty good, which is good in this case because you want the, her death and her sacrifice to have meaning. So making your eye spend more time on the page makes the impact of the character's sacrifice more uh, effective. Yeah, I agree. And then um, I love this. This is a great hero shot of Cyclops um, smoking some dudes, um, cooking some fools, I guess. That's a better way of saying it. Uh, yeah, it's great. Um, then, um, But then Mystique is the first one for something to go wrong for. Well, not the first one, but one of the, the shoes. She's not able to disconnect her, um, the arm. Yeah. Or uh, because uh, the scientist ejects her out the airlock. Um, this is a great page. Again, nice use of blurring, you know, um, just so we can focus on the fear and the sort of tragedy of this moment. Um, but it's also shocking, right? So like just sort of have this moment where just like a lot of movement and stuff where you feel like the air is being sucked out uh, to have this blur it really shows just how fast and shocking it is that she was, that she fails. So yeah. I like that moment. And uh, you know, it's great that it's also uh, a silent panel cause it's sort yeah. of that, it's sort of that like in every, well, other than star Wars where every, every move, every movie where, where you either, you know, have a hull breach or you, you go out, you go out into space and you know, it's the classic line. Nobody can hear you scream in space, which, which is, yeah. which, which is what's happening to her here. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a very cool moment. And uh, this is a hero shot of the scientist, and she's just, you know, right here, just, you know, bloodthirsty for the X-Men. Mm -hmm. um, I like this. Uh, you know, this is a cool way of, like, you know, showing off a character's form right here. I really like these lines, how they accentuate her form underneath the costume. It was just something I noticed, and I was like, oh, that's a cool way of making the design it's something that you want to do with a superhero costume or like, you know, in a superhero where you have like tight skin suits is sort of to accentuate the form. And I just sort of like how this simple line is enough to do that underneath her lab coat. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just started, it was just something that stuck out to me and I, I really liked it. Um, yeah, this yeah, is I didn't notice panel. that until you pointed that out. So yeah. Yeah. It's just something, you know, that uh, it's probably instinctive for a lot of these comic book artists at this point. But there's like, again, there's this uh, practical storytelling, I guess, or, you know, just practical art design thing going on here, you know. And um, it almost, and a little bit almost adds to like making it look like she's moving. Um, yep, exactly. To, to, to outline outline the, the shape of her leg, it makes us look at the leg and sort of, you know, imply that you know she's she's moving she's walking towards us yeah and to give it a little more color too because if this was all black or something like that you know it's it's just a nice simple design um element to yeah move your eye around not just her form but also the page and the image and around this composition back here it's cool yeah and as you know scientists when they wear their they wear their yes. they wear their skin tight uh, outfits over their their lab coats this is normally how it looks yeah exactly yeah this is what everyone at Johns Hopkins is sporting these days yeah um but this is the moment where they say that they're going to wake up the AI and uh the uh cyborg woman is is afraid that that the robot's going to go nuts Mm -hmm. if they open it up and uh, this scientist is gone nuts. So she doesn't care. Yeah. She's lost. She's lost too much at this point to, yeah. to, to care. Yeah. Um, these were great beats right here. Again, another silent beat where again, just show, don't tell. We know what she wants to do at this point. She doesn't need to say anything. Um, that, and I really love the, this, half page panel right here. I don't know about you, but this was awesome. Mm -hmm. How they broke the panel border right here and then did the exact same expression coming through the um the hologram, the water hologram. That was yeah. really cool. Yeah, that's uh like you said, that's uh you know a nice transition, you know, yeah. breaking the panel border, solid character into the liquid form in that reflecting pool. Um nearly nearly the same image just you know different solid structure 
fluid structure. So yeah, I, that that is great design. And your your color artists that you've worked with would hate these pages because there's no closed lines Definitely. on any of this right here. <laughs> so you can't do the paint bucket. No. Um, <laughs> so you got to go in with you know the color artist had to go in with a lasso tool and you know make smart objects out of all these things and color them in. This is this had to be a total beast to color right here. All these different uh, all the reflections and light coming off of different things right here. It's got, it had to have been a pain, but yeah. at the same time, a good pain because you're an artist and you enjoy your work. Um, yeah. I mean, you got to sacrifice yeah. for the, uh, the, the cause here. Yeah. But it's beautiful. I love this, just this seamless transition, but again, a lot of drama, like, you know, drama is always heightened by all these images right here. It's awesome. It's a great dynamic shot. I love downward. This is a, yeah, so this is cool. It's, this is a, this looks like a like you know a low camera angle right here mm -hmm. that transitions into a high camera angle, mm -hmm. you know that's pretty cool, um, yeah. And then I you know it's it's great you know to see this panel within a panel you know again have all these lines sort of framing these different moments right here. Mm -hmm. So you get like uh, in this moment you have one, almost two. This is like three, four panels within two panels, really. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Um, and then Xavier makes a call that's not too out of character, but at the same time, what we've known up to this point and what we've sort of thought was out of character is actually in character. And this sort of moment fits in there as well because we're still trying to grapple with the Xavier that we know, who's sort of a very wholesome person who values life, but... Right here, he's struggling, but he understands that he's going to have to sacrifice all the X-Men to save all of mutant kind, basically. Yep. And uh, this is a cool moment right here. Very simple. You know, not a lot crowding the page, not a lot crowding the image, but, you know, just a very, you know, a moment where you just get to see his resolve and his expression. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, this was another, uh, yeah, I just liked her expression right here in the camera angle and the shadows on her face. Um, and I love this panel right here of Scott realizing basically now at this moment, uh, no one's basically getting out alive Yeah, from this moment on. Um, yeah, this was a great panel. I just love the pose right here and it was, it was it was isolated and in black so this white background doesn't do it much justice but on the page it's just this beautiful black border mm -hmm. and it's actually cut off up here and down here so it's like a wide not like a wide screen but it's got almost got these bars right here and it just yeah so it's heavy it's a heavy panel yeah and um love this right here too the reflection of his face right here uh it's so cool you know, as he's preparing basically to be like, yeah, to send Wolverine and Nightcrawler to their deaths. And uh, this scene, this sequence, I got choked up during um, with Wolverine and Nightcrawler. This is yeah. a great exchange between them. Um, yeah, I love that panel, silence. Yeah, and then just followed by that right there. Um, I like how this series is focused mostly on how good of a leader Scott is, you know? Yeah. Um, it's This series is interesting as far as where it takes the X-Men, but it keeps them in character and sort of like takes them almost back to their roots of what they always were, you know, at the beginning when Lee and Kirby started them out. Mm -hmm. So Cyclops is the team leader, you know, right? And, uh, of course, but then, like, you know, Xavier's the mentor and all that jazz, and Magneto's the one who's obsessed with uh, deification and things. And, uh, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's cool. But, yeah, I love this. Uh, this is sort of the first moment where uh, of the issue that you have to have the obligatory religious conversation. Mm -hmm. um, but it also fits with, you know, Kurt's uh, Catholic, right? Yeah. Um, so there's this moment where Wolverine's talking about, uh, you know, if he dies, is he gets like, you know, is he going to, where is he going to wake up? And there's this nice moment with him and Kurt and Kurt says uh, that he's going to be waiting for him when he wakes up. That's just, a, that was just a nice moment. I thought. Yeah, they were, it was very 
very much in character for both of these guys. Yeah. And it draws upon their history together and all the other comics as well, because they're Wolverine has a different relationship with everyone, but there are certain people that he has very special close relationships with and Nightcrawler is one of them. Mm -hmm. I don't know that much about X-Men comics, but I know that. Yeah. And the, the glowing effect sort of makes it more ominous. Like we know something, we know something epic is coming with this, this bright, uh, you know, light shining in and with the conversation they just had, uh, it's, it's fitting as well. Yeah. The heavenly glow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but them being all being almost consumed by the light, which is foreshadowing what's just about to happen. And, uh, radiant and with open arms right you know mm -hmm. then yeah there i don't have the panel in here because it's really brutal but it's also a really great panel where basically they're both being disintegrated and wolverine's healing but kurt gets like like you know uh disintegrated um but wolverine even to his last breath is fighting to destroy this machine yeah that's that's pretty cool it's a cool panel and, and the only yeah. two, and the only it's a they the only two that could have did this. You needed the teleporter, and you needed you needed the guy with the the, the berserker rage, who also has the the healing factor to allow him to to stay out there a little bit longer than than anybody else would. So it's yeah. sort of like looking at the skill set. Um, you know, they were in the right place, right time, but they were also the the two the only two that could get this done. That's cool writing right there. You know, that's just a good putting your characters in a place where only they can do what they do. Again, yeah. going back to sort of the wrath of Khan idea, you know, like it's, it's such a well, that, that movie's so well done where like, you know, they put Spock in the position at the end where only he can do what he has to do at the end. Um, yeah. It's, it's a great, great moment. And uh, I love, uh, again, a very, uh, another uh, theological, philosophical uh, monologue from the robot as it's waking up about, you know, man made him, so man is God, and they are the Titans, mm -hmm. and their spoiled lineage, and then uh, while Wolverine is sending this to the sun to be destroyed, and uh, yeah, it was just a cool exchange, but it's very uh, heavy. Uh, philosophical stuff that the guy's uh, spouting out. Some might. I love this kind of stuff. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it is epic and uh, you know action packed and uh, you know going out in a uh, uh, you know a, a blaze of glory. Yeah, blaze of glory. While this guy makes references to Greek mythology, um, yeah, it's it's so awesome. <laughs> Yeah. And again, like I love these moments in each issue, you get a moment like this where it's just light, you know, in the background and sort of a simple background, but you get this nice like lens flare. Yeah. And then uh, it's time for Cyclops to make his, his sacrifice and he gets blasted by these two. Um, this is a cool, like this is a very classic comic book panel mm -hmm. with the villain standing over the hero. Uh, classic yeah, I mean, composition yeah there's gotta there's probably gotta be at least five or six daredevil covers where he's you know he's standing over over bullseye and sort of like you know the aftermath of their, their battle that's very similar i think there's it's like daredevil 201 it's very similar you know the the victor standing over top of the 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 huddled uh victim of or not the victim the the person who lost the fight so yeah i agree we've we've seen this a lot yeah there's some heavy archetype uh symbolism here yeah but where this book goes the next step where she's like you know she just stuns him like would be typical for a superhero book right for the superhero just to be down and stunned mm -hmm. but then she goes the next level with her nerf gun and uh blasts him this panel was very uh i i looked at this and i was like you know what this looks like it looks like a lee weeks panel doesn't it uh, uh a little bit yeah i could see i could see yeah. that yeah yeah it's just sort of how it was drawn i was like oh this looks almost like our buddy lee weeks drew this so but when uh when this character is standing over cyclops with the 
with the two gun attachments on our hands. That's uh, that's that's enough to make Cable uh, yeah. or, or Deadpool a little envious with with uh, that uh, those big guns. She's missing all the pouches though. Yeah, Needs pouches. <laughs> yeah. Well, she wouldn't be able to open anything in the pouches with uh, two gun hands. So. True, that's true. Yeah, she needs at least one uh, cybernetic arm that just looks like a regular arm. Yeah. Um, but I like this shot. I love all the reflections in this issue. It's pretty great to see that. And again, like it's a hard... I'm, I wonder what their deadlines were like on this issue because they really pushed it as far as all the cool camera angles and all the reflections and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This is hard stuff to work out to make it not look sucky, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's pretty great to see that in this issue, but I'd, I'd be interested to know what their deadlines were like for this book. Um, but I love this transition right here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, into this scream. It's very horrific, you know? Um, you get the weight again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then this shot right here, these guys where we saw in the last issue, they were, they were going to take a while to get there, but they finally arrived and are about to lay waste to Gene. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just a cool page. I thought, you know, there's a lot going on in this page, but I never felt like anything was shortchanged in it. No, um, I, yeah, it's, it's, uh, uh, you definitely get the the big beat on the the major action. Um, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it, it it flows really well. Yeah, and I wonder, like you know, in any other writer, would they have made this a splash page? You know, mm-hmm. um, same with some other panels in here. I've wondered that. I'm like, would this be a splash or a double page spread? But. Hickman and other writers are sort of, there are some writers out there who are sort of against stuff like that. Well, and it's not like we, I don't think we're like, I got to believe they're not, they're not uh, beholden to the, to the 20 pages. That's all you get. You know, if it's, if it's this many pages, because it's, you know, it's, it's a pricier, it's a, it's a, it's a 499 book. So, you know, it's not like uh, pages are, um, you know, limited here. So, yeah. I just wonder if, because it was getting close, it's also close to the end. So sort of to sort of to keep that pace going. I wonder if yeah. that was a decision to not uh, make it a splash. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, just to keep the pace going. That's a good point. Um, and speaking of the pace, like it hits its climax when Gene gets murked by the, the Sentinels. Mm-hmm. And then it just stops right here, yeah. you know? And at the beginning of the issue, they go over all the cataclysmic events in the X-Men universe where like millions of mutants have been wiped out. Mm-hmm. So it's all been about that leading up, you know, just about how many people have died to make mutants have a decent future. So basically, besides Storm and Beast and like maybe Iceman and stuff, uh, all the key characters are dead. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of them are, and it's uh, at least half of them are. Like all of the of the founding X Men fathers and mothers, um, at this point they're all dead, and that's a pretty ballsy move, um, for what could possibly be the last uh, future or last sort of reality of X Men, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, that it ends on this is the final panel right here where Xavier says no more. And it started out with that quote from him mm-hmm. and uh, ends with it. No more. And it does it again <laughs> with the, the statistics. Yeah. This is very Hickman right here. Um, yeah. I mean, his art style is all over this. Uh, was it Pax Romana? Was that one the, one of the pages we've looked at earlier? And that's uh yeah, we did. Uh, we did nightly news. Nightly news. That's what yeah. I'm trying to think of. Yeah. Yeah. It's very nightly news right here. Um, but you're looking into Xavier's mind, and, and it's uh, making us sort of relive like all this, all the stuff that we've, uh, you know, we've just, uh, we've just experienced. We we have to we have to experience it one more time to sort yeah. of make the impact. Uh, you know, twofold. Like we, we, we've just read the comic. We've just, you know, we've seen all those deaths. We've seen all those destructions, our destruction. And now we're, we're getting some 
you know, some back matter, some, you know, more, more development, but we're also, we're just, you know, reliving those images again. So it's, it's yeah. a cool design or, you know, extra sort of, I guess this would go into sort of like uh, book design, not really like the, the page design. Yeah, it's both, right? Because that's, but that's the the line that Hickman crosses being a, uh, a graphic designer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, is that he knows how to design a book, but also knows how to design pages around the book. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess this is sort of the closest thing to a, is this is a double page spread right here, right? Um, uh, yeah, I think as, as the book closes, that, that, that's how it closes out. Um, yeah, there are two and then there's the, this one as well. Um, yeah, that's, that's, you know, it, that's, you know, it's, uh, that's the last thing we see before we, we get the, the, the reading order. Yeah. But very harrowing ending to house of X number four. Yeah. Um, heavy heavy ending with a lot of emotion behind it yeah yeah i'm wondering if how personal this is for hickman as well you know because there seems to be like a a strong reaction from the characters but almost like when this is repeated and this is repeated and this is repeated like i wonder how like i wonder if this is also like hickman raging against the machine as well you know in what way? In the way that he might be upset with sort of like all the, like sort of, uh, like how, like what, like what has happened to the X-Men over the years with everybody being killed constantly and stuff like that, you know? Okay. Like that's sort of like, he's sort of upset that that's sort of always where it's gone with the characters is that they always sort of find a way to just wipe out a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, so he does it one more time where like you feel it, you mm-hmm. know, in a new context with all of them. Like, you know, there's a, you know, when, you know, like, like sort of like the last big one, you know, like they had a huge lead up to Wolverine dying and stuff like that. And it was just sort of used to sell comics. And then of course, bringing him back to life was used for that as well. Mm-hmm. Regardless if it was good or not, it was still like, you know, a huge marketing thing. Um, and of course, Xavier and Jean Grey have been killed off more times than not. And, you know, um, so right here, he didn't market that any of these characters were going to die and he just killed them off, you know? Yeah. And you, you felt it, you know? So I wonder if like, he's sort of, it was just something I was thinking about. Like, I wonder if he's raging sort of about like the characters that he loved, you know? Yeah. Killed off constantly. Yeah, or or maybe it's just sort of like a a statement about things going forward that uh, yeah we're not uh, you know going forward there's not going to be sort of these these loops where so and so dies is then you know resurfaces so many more issues down the road it could be it could be sort of like a, uh, a you know a statement like you know we're not we're not doing that anymore but we won't know until we see we see future issues. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And it might, and it probably is just something to hammer in the, the emotions of the issue just so that we can feel the impact again, like you said. So, but I, I, I was probably reading into it, but it just sort of felt like the ravings of a madman, I guess. So, but there maybe there was that also to sort of show Xavier's maybe madness as well. Yeah. And uh, his rage. Yeah. But yeah, Powers of X next. Um, not as much to talk about here. There's a lot of stuff going on, but I really like this cover. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's a uh, it's classic. Uh, you know the the floating heads of of all the the characters. We've had a lot of Marvel books in the in the past with the 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 borders of all of the the heroes' faces. So yeah, this is this is pretty cool. Yeah, it's a pretty cool classic Marvel cover. Um, and then uh, we start in year one. Uh, Xavier and uh, Magneto go to see uh, Mr. Sinister. Mm-hmm. I like this page. I just sort of liked uh, the back yellow light and then the front purple light. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's cool to see the the colors uh, schemes of this series, but I'm always I always like seeing when people do uh, yellow and purple 
as a color scheme because they're both complement each other. Mm -hmm. So I like this page because of that. Um, this is just a good page design, I thought too. I just sort of liked, yeah, again the the guiding lines around this page where mm -hmm. they bake the or where they break the panel borders at the bottom here. Um, I like this moment where. Magneto just shoves Mr. Sinister into the wall. Yeah, Magneto is not going to suffer any fools. Yes. <laughs> um, and then they go into Mr. Sinister's throne room, and there's just a bunch of Mr. Sinisters around in different forms. Mm -hmm. And uh, you meet what you think is the main Mr. Sinister. And, uh, yeah, he's got his, his smug attitude. Mm-hmm. He talks about wanting a cape. This guy says uh, that he's shy. He's always thought that he should wear one. And he's like, why didn't you say something? And then it like turns into this brutal uh, execution of that guy, of this, uh, of the Colonel Sanders guy. Yeah, this is very sort of meeting, meeting the Bond villain who, uh, yes. like, uh, you know, talks about themselves and doesn't uh doesn't have time to be uh, disobeyed by any of his, his henchmen so there was very much like a, a meeting of a bond villain uh with this this opening here yes yes and it was uh and again it was very jarring for me to go from such a serious ending of powers to this like yeah to this is such tongue-in-cheek humor you know and the in the next issue yeah so and that's another thing that we're learning in the in the writing class is sort of like the uh, the charge changes like from right. positive from positive to negative. So with us ending on such a a, a negative vibe, this is this is just a a, a you know a, a change. You know, we went from that negative to the positive. So that's uh, that's another thing that, that that we're learning in the in the writing class. So it's you know example of it here. But it also shows where Hickman's uh, sensibilities lie as far as what he's writing for. You know, mm -hmm. we sat through Chris Claremont's talk, complaining about that in a, <laughs> in a talk <laughs> once where he was talking about how all writers these days are writing for the trade and all that stuff. But I think right here you see Hickman writing for the issue by issue, you know, where he doesn't, you know, that, you know, I wasn't reading this week by week, of course, but if you're reading this week by week, you have enough time for the drama and, uh, the sort of uh how the how the last one ended the last issue ended to set in so that you you feel the sort of somber nature of the ending mm -hmm. um and then you you open it up again with this sort of more lighthearted story and it's it's kind of nice you know not for it to beat you up because you've had enough time to uh you know to focus on the ending of the last one before you jump into something a little more lighthearted. Um, yeah. So it's good to change your tone up, but yeah, but for me, of course I was reading them back to back. So it was, it was weird, but it shows that Hickman isn't writing them for a trade. He's writing them issue by issue. Yeah. And there's a complete story in each issue. Yeah. So, yeah, but um, Xavier says that he wants uh, Mr. Sinister to start focusing more on cataloging uh, mutant DNA, which we've seen ends up being uh, a key part in year 1000 and year 100 as well, where you have these, uh, these uh, mutants arising out of the Essex Corporation because of their catalogs of mutant powers. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to see that be something that like, we know year 100 isn't a, it like isn't a definite um, future for like you know, these previous years. So, but that, that, um, that aspect of it is probably something that is definite where you have uh, the combinations of mutants based on their genes being cataloged um, as part of the future. And this is good. Well, I mean, it's a time travel story, but this is good non-linear like storytelling where yeah. like we've seen things in the future, and then when we see this, we're like, oh, so this is yeah. how we get to that point. So there's there's a lot of planning, and there's a lot of uh, there had to be a lot of uh, flow charts somewhere in, in Hickman's. Uh, well, that's you know, yeah, exactly. And there have been rules established so far that 
there are certain things that are inevitable within all these different possibilities for futures and realities. Um, in the, in the, in the first uh, issue where Moira sort of explains that she's sort of the one, the guiding force behind the mutant's destiny, mm-hmm. she explains that there are certain things that are like constant, you know, or, and then, and then there are things that should be constant as well. So like she doesn't change, she's changed the future, like, you know, multiple times to be like drastically different mm-hmm. and it doesn't always work. So there are certain factors that need to stay the same. So for this universe, they need to kill Nimrod, but they want um, uh, the Mister Sinister to catalog the mutant genes like they did in the future with Nimrod. So yeah, yeah. Um, but then we find out that through a very comical moment that uh, this isn't the real Mister Sinister. Um, the real Mister Sinister is this guy, and he has a cape. <laughs> And yeah, he blows off the head of the other guy and he uh, breaks the fourth wall. And uh, yeah, it's a cool moment. But then he uh, then, yeah, Xavier says that he needs to do it, but he also needs to not know why he's doing it and then forget about it completely. Um, Why he's uh, cataloging all the mutant DNA, I mean. Yeah, this was, uh, again... um sort of you know we, we we've seen it we've seen what happens and this is a way of uh uh charles sort of manipulating uh, events yeah which is something that he's always had a problem doing but at the same time doesn't always have a problem doing so his gloves are completely off at this point mm-hmm. where he doesn't mind manipulating anything to keep the future the way that it should be because moira has shown him all the outcomes yeah and then we uh, jump forward to uh, when they first decide to build a new civilization on Krakoa. Mm-hmm. You get a little more history of the island right here and what it is. And um, this is Cypher, right? That's the character's name? Yeah, which makes sense because we've seen uh, that Cypher and Krakoa have been yeah. co-mingled in some of those, either the graphics or the the... the some of the storylines. So we've seen that these two people have, uh, well, people, a person in an, in a, in a living Island have sort of combined together. So yeah, we, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But we also know this is the future because Xavier can walk again, like he does in the current present, like house of X stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they, he shows Cypher that there's a, you know, that, that he can communicate with the island, like the island is saying something. I like sort of how uh, there's sort of this, uh, you don't know what Krakoa is, whether it's something naturally occurring or if it's the product of science. So I like this detail right here where you see the circuitry on the leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a cool detail. I just sort of like these simple moments. Again, a lot of hands, which we've talked about before. Um, throughout this series, there's a lot of hands uh, in these panels, which is another thing where I'm like, Gosh, those poor artists having to draw a lot of hands on deadlines. That's got to suck. Yeah. Um, but really great. When hands are drawn well, they're so cool looking. Definitely. And then this half page uh, moment right here is beautiful where you get to see the sort of what what Cypher, like sort of what that, that new mutant in year 100 becomes. Mm-hmm. Um, and with, with Cypher, so that was a cool moment. And I like... Uh, there's the language right there, which I'm guessing is a variation of what the language that they're speaking in the first issue and then the symbols that we see throughout the issues. This is like an older version of that. That would make sense. Yeah. And then the the island tells them of a history of the island, um, about these monsters that came up out of the ground. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you know what they are by any chance? No, I, not, not, not offhand. Not offhand. Um, but they like demons basically from hell and apocalypse fought them off and then sealed their portal. And then he posted, uh, four of his horsemen to guard over it. Very much an apocalypse thing to do. Yeah. But it's also very, um, what throughout the comics, they always draw that apocalypse is the root of all sort of religion and mythology in the world. Mm -hmm. So he's sort of like the, 
like all cultures have sort of interpreted him into their own religions and things like that. So this is sort of the Garden of Eden story mm-hmm. where like uh, God appointed like an angel of death at the garden, you know, to guard it and stuff like that. So this is very some like, you know, it parallels that in a way. So again, a lot of religious symbolism running parallel to the X-Men comics right here. Uh, but also it runs with uh, Apocalypse being a good guy throughout this series. Like so far, he's not done anything bad. So Him far. and uh, Magneto have been uh, pretty upstanding um, heroic dudes this whole time. Yeah. Uh, I love this moment right here. It's really beautiful. Nice, yeah. simple panel of Apocalypse standing on a hill. It, yeah, it's definitely, uh, definitely sort of that uh, heroic, you know, I've completed my task. I'm just sort of here, uh, you know, taking it all in. Yeah. Walk, walking into the sunset or looking out into the sunset. It's very cool. Very dramatic. Love it. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, Xavier shows Cypher the future uh, that he wants to build on Krakoa and leaves Cypher to basically blend with uh, the island and create a new civilization mm-hmm. where they can all coexist. Then we jump to year 1000 and it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I mean, it does in some ways, but in the other ways it really hurts your head. It's, it's basically a more wordy ending of uh, the ending of 2001, a space odyssey. Very true. Yeah. But there's a lot of talk of stuff like the singularity happening with people merging with machines. Mm-hmm. And there's this like intergalactic artificial intelligence that consumes planets and they all become this sort of like giant CPU and, uh, you know, like made up of like, you know, like a giant planet that's like itself, like an own, its own living nervous system. That's a computer and all that jazz. And it's, mm-hmm complicated and this sort of race machines want to merge with this new alien civilization called the phalanx Mm -hmm. and uh they have to trick the phalanx into merging with them because they don't merge with organic material they only merge with machines another uh, thing i'm just realizing right now they have the circuitry like cypher does on his hands oh good point yeah yeah, I didn't realize that till right now, but I really love these moments. I like their design. They're very creepy and mysterious. Yeah. But very Jack Kirby. Yeah, that's uh you you definitely uh you definitely have a, you know, celestial uh vibe to these to these characters. Yeah. And um I, yeah, I just sort of I I, I screenshotted this just cuz I liked the panel and I liked all the details of the circuitry but not drawing the parallels to Cypher's uh cyber cyber uh and uh yeah all the all the cool little details on his gloves are sort of paralleled here mm-hmm. um but they trick them they trick the phalanx into merging with them even though they're not supposed to mm-hmm. and the phalanx starts to like convulse basically and yeah. merge into something different and uh, yeah, you you end on a very cryptic, high concept sci-fi moment. Yeah, and uh, Nimrod is still a possibility because there he is, right there, acting with these dudes mm-hmm. as they are being consumed by this new machine race. And uh, we end on whether or not the uh, the if the if them merging is going to be successful or not yeah this was uh uh this this issue was was a strange one it was um a setup it's almost like uh it was a setup issue and then yeah. then the the second half sh- shifts to like um you know we just tied up a whole bunch of stuff and now we've just confused you and we've set up a whole bunch of stuff that now we're going to have to go in and tie in in, in the future so it was a, it was it, it's it's a, it's a strange issue it's it's one of those like bridge issues but then it's not actually like a, a yeah. complete bridge issue so it was it was uh it was interesting yeah it's definitely getting you know this series is not stopped getting heavy and the stakes 
you know, the act, the, the, the plot escalates after every issue, mm -hmm. which is great. There's no issue where I didn't feel like things haven't escalated. Um, yeah. or like the, there haven't been more questions that arise. Uh, it's very cool. Yeah. So, uh, that was, uh, that was a very, uh, thorough recap, uh, there. So, yeah. um, we are, we are more than halfway through both series and, uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, me too. Definitely. All right. Well, uh, I want to thank you for putting together those slides. You did a, uh, awesome job on those again. Uh, I think your, your artistic eye helps out, uh, breaking that stuff down. So, yeah, well, I, I don't blame it on my artistic eye as much as like just being a weird person. So <laughs> no, yeah, that's not true at all. All yeah. right. Well, we will, uh, we will share some of these, uh, these, these images from these slides on our, on our social media. If anybody would like to go out and give us a rating or review, wherever you, you hear this podcast, we'd really appreciate it. Um, if you want to see more, you can follow us on Twitter at construct Compod. You can follow us on Instagram. It's at constructing comics pod or on Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash constructing comics. And this episode is definitely going up on the YouTube channel since it's very uh, visual with the slides. I think uh, anybody who wants to see this in depth uh, should, should check out the YouTube channel, which is under the name constructing comics. Um, I'd like to thank everybody for being uh, joining us and we will be back with a, another episode uh, very soon. Thank you.